Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Rachel McBrady, welcome to the Support Automation Show. Where does this podcast find you? Hi, I am in the Bay Area, Pleasanton, California. Love me some Northern California. Rachel joins us as the Chief Customer Officer at Lean Data and the host of the OpStars podcast. Rachel, to get us started, um, how about you give us a little background on yourself and the journey to Chief Customer Officer at Lean Data and then what Lean Data does? Sure. I started off in actually in graphic design, visual design, and then got into software design from print. So that will date me, but I've been on a long journey here, right? When the wave of all of the digitization or e-enablement came along, I jumped on that as a designer and really got into software design. And that brought me into technology companies. And from there, I've sort of grown into a management role. That's the short story. But I love working for software companies. I love helping organizations to transform using the technology to automate and improve workflow processes. So it's always been a passion of mine, I think very much from a user-centered perspective. As a designer, you think about who you're communicating with or who you're enabling. And so that's always been the heart of what I love to do. At Lean Data, I am responsible for ultimately our customer success with Lean Data's product. My team is uh, comprised of solution consultants, professional services, customer success, support training, and customer marketing. So everyone who supports the, the customer on their journey to, to get to value, we are measured by uh, net retention. So both the retention and growth in our customer base. Very cool. So to start off our conversation, we'll start with the same question I ask everybody off the top. And that is when you hear the word support automation, what does that mean to you? I think when I think about automation, I, I think about it as replacing human labor with machines. Mm-hmm. Right? We used to think about that as robots in the manufacturing plant. Today, we know we can auto, automate processes using common software applications to enabling self-driving cars. So automation, I think, has become much broader. When we think about it in terms of automating support, as a chief customer officer, I think of support as a range of services across the entirety of that customer journey. So anytime a customer has a question needs help, from they might be planning to implementation to training, troubleshooting, right? So not just technical support, but anytime that we can understand what they need and see where we can automate the response first, if it's a very repetitive, common response uh, that we get all the time. So there's sort of standard, right? Like standard lifecycle questions, making sure we have the content to then also looking at how we can optimize what the humans need to do. So anytime that we can automate some of the processes where they have to go gather data or look up information. Mm-hmm. So I think about it in, in both ways, but I do think about when I think about automating the support process, I don't just think about technical support, but more broadly. Right. The journey from a journey might not be the right, right word to use, but when you think of the breadth of the modern customer experience from simple interactions with the help center inside of a product or filing a support ticket to get a what password changed or whatever it is, all the way through QBRs, 
driving adoption of new features and as you mentioned with your team at Lean Data, driving expansion revenue within those accounts. Do you feel that at this stage of the technological progress that support and customer facing teams have, which part of that map of the customer experience do you think has the best and most high value automation available to it? Is it is it the support and ticket deflection side? Is it triggering emails or data for customer success to drive new features or flag things for the next QBR or whatever it is? Where do you see this sort of most drop value being driven as we sit today? That's a great question. And I think I will answer it in the context of lean data as we are rapidly growing and evolving companies. So our processes are changing pretty rapidly as we you know, bring on maybe new whole new segments, like we're building out a big enterprise capability. So as I think about it as a CCO, where do I need to apply automation? I am thinking about what are those common activities? You mentioned email communications. We're going to need that no matter what we're doing and how we organize our teams, whatever our processes are. So yes, let's automate that. Anytime we can trigger the communications, uh, we should do that. And then, yes, I think within the technical services side, there are going to be common questions that come up. If we can automate those response to those common questions instead of having it immediately go to a human, because we all know like our customers, they kind of fall for us. We have pretty advanced customers who want to mm-hmm. self-serve. They don't want to have to call. They're they're not going and jumping onto the phone as their first choice. They want to self-serve. They want to get it answered. I think you also have to think about, you have to think about your audience, right? Who is your customer and how do they want to engage? We have a segment of the population that is very savvy and wants to do a DIY. They want to do it themselves. So I think you have to really build and design toward that customer need. So that's where, where we focus and really enabling them. We can, if we can have some kind of an automated, automated response that drives them to a self-serve, that's what they love. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point. And Lean Data is uniquely positioned relative to you you're in the bucket of software where your users are savvy right salesforce is not the most simple easy to use thing sales operations is an increasingly complicated endeavor and at scale the two of those together means you need to have really smart people driving that bus so you're also working with a lot of people who like to tinker who like to try things who are in the weeds basically most of their day. And it makes sense that for you to optimize towards providing that great cell service is a good little piece of low hanging fruit to, to grab, so to speak. And I, I didn't answer your question on what does lean data do. So this might be a good time to, to highlight that. Yes, we serve revenue operations professionals primarily with software capabilities to automate a lot of their go-to-market motions, including inbound, outbound, ABM, upsell, partner. So we are in the business of helping to automate workflow. Uh, And I think that we also have to be a good example of that as you, Justin, right? As if your your company is in the business of doing it. But yeah, as a that that being said, as you said, our customers are pretty savvy, the ones that are coming 
to us, at least those early adopters. And, and so, yes, they expect they're going to be doing things much more digitally and want to interact digitally. And I think that's super important to with any automation that you're doing. One, it can never really stand alone, right? It's not going to solve all your problems. But I think the degree to which you can automate really should be worked back from how your customers want to engage in the kind of experience they need. You know, if they are customers who expect high touch, need high touch, maybe aren't as, let's say, as, as digitally savvy, to your point, you want to make sure that you're meeting and addressing their needs. Because at the end of the day, the key metric for me is customer satisfaction, because I know that's what leads to retention and loyalty. So if you put in a bunch of automation and your CSAT drops, great that you just saved on productivity. You probably had a much bigger impact, negative impact on the business than positive. Yeah. And when you think about CSAT, and that's like the ultimate North Star for any customer facing organization. But when you think about the benefits that you've achieved for yourself and for your teams, what are some of the things that with some of the successful and well-optimized automation and technology you guys have implemented at Lean Data, what are some of the things that that, that extra bandwidth was applied towards? Well, I think more than where the bandwidth was applied, it probably has been more of a avoidance of needing to hire as we grow. So our productivity has gone up tremendously. So if we automate those back office things. That's primarily how we have been thinking about it. Let me get things off of the plates of my customer success or support teams, anything that they're doing, like emailing or gathering information that we can automate, we're going to do. But what I just reported out to the board was the incredible improvements in productivity. And we are, let's face it, in a world where we can't hire fast enough. We can't find the talent. So that's been a real driver for us is if we can, as we scale and grow, we don't have to just continue to hire folks, but we can get them more productive. So that's really what's been for us at this point in time. Yeah. In terms of the customer journey and how you approach the, I assume your team spent, this is going to sound obvious, but I want to just mentioned anyway, I assume your team spends most of their time sort of post-sale with customers as, as opposed to prospects. When you think about onboarding, activating, and getting customers to see and drive value with lean data as quickly as possible, is there any particular function or piece of the platform that you have your teams focus on to execute first? Is it getting the, the the routing and matching set up first? Is it is it some of the ABM stuff? It's dependent on what package the customer has. I'm, I'm just curious with, with a savvy customer with a powerful platform, that's part of the, it, it's a very valuable thing inside of revenue teams to route match and do all the stuff that you guys do like just as someone who spends his spends his time trying to, to market and drive revenue and pipeline for a sales team i'm just curious where you guys focus the most of your initial energy with customers that's a great question it usually starts almost like you might think about any automation project we look and at how do we improve the productivity of the teams from a perspective of where are they spending all their time managing data Mm. So it does usually start with putting in matching to be able to match 
accounts to contacts or leads. Um, so because a lot of those things end up being done manually, right? You route a lead to the salesperson, they're going looking for what account it belongs to. So if we can take away all those behind the scenes manual data management, that frees up a ton of time for the team. So we usually start with that because it's really taking an existing process and getting rid of all of the days a week of mm -hmm. time. Entire teams no longer have to be sitting there managing the data or waking up early, making sure they're checking everything before the, the sales team comes in. Then the next level on that is we can build on how do we improve your process? What else could we do to maybe it's, hey, instead of automating it today, you're sending it in to the, the sales team because that's who you've been handing it to. Maybe you want to send it into really in, into a sales loft or an outreach into a cadence instead. It's then building on different ways in which we can help them respond and improve that buyer experience because maybe it just makes more sense to send a, a lead that came from a result of downloading a white paper into a cadence and make sure that they've engaged and read that white paper and then sending it to an SDR who calls and then it irritates the crap out of them. So it gets to that next level where we can then say, okay, great, we get the leads into your team, but now maybe we need to say P1s go to the SDR team, twos go to an email response initially. P anyway, you, you get that. So you move through it with the client incrementally, but first, just, hey, let's just get a lot of that manual stuff you're doing behind the scenes automated to, to then free you up. But yeah. that's usually where we start. Dep no matter what the motion is, it usually starts there. And I asked you that question specifically because just I'm intimately familiar with a lot of the benefit that, that a platform like Lean Data, Lean Data drives. And I wanted you to articulate exactly what you just did, which is applicable to customer-facing teams regardless of what your product is which is what is the fastest time to value like activity within your product that, and within the service offering that you have that you can immediately start driving value for your customers. And I think it's really interesting how in, oh, I can do some linguistic gymnastics here to say that lean data is also in a way doing support automation because the sales ops teams that you know, used to have to do all the machinations to, is, is this just a misspelled account or is this an entirely different account route and convert and do all that stuff? You guys are giving time back to your customers much. I'd like to think capacity or some of the other help desks and AI tools out there are giving time back to their customers and it creates this sort of flywheel. So you're in a unique position where clearly you guys have spent a lot of time on optimizing and automating your own customer facing operations, but then you are also automating and optimizing and creating time for your customers. And it just creates this really interesting flywheel. And this is one of the things that I don't think comes up enough on this show is that there really is a virtuous cycle that you can get in when you are trying to do for your customers, the same thing you are trying to do for your team. And that is, free up time, unlock people to do the, the human stuff that we're the best at and get the sort of repetitive tasks off their plate. When we were going back and forth about doing this interview, one of the things that you said was support across the customer journey and the importance of considering the right mix of automation with, with human work. And we just touched on that very first sort of customer interaction. 
I'm curious, when you think about the other end of the customer journey, when your CSMs or, or accounting, whatever title you guys use over there, are looking to drive incremental revenue, upsells, et cetera, what it is, what's the automation versus human touch look like on that end of the customer lifecycle? We use, of course, use lean data to identify and route opportunities into our customer success team. If it is a customer who is shopping and, and inquiring, um, or if it's a customer who asks, uh, or we open a case and it's the customer and it's a question where we're using lean data to route um, leads and cases and any inquiries that come in from a customer um, into our customer success team. So really providing them with the ability to go respond or to make sure that we understand what that customer need is hmm. because it's, I think it's, it's interesting. It's surprising how many companies don't differentiate their existing customer base, especially in SaaS software, right. From the prospects. And it's such a missed opportunity. And I think we have set up an entirely separate graph and flow for how we deal with our customers versus how we deal with prospects because we know them. Right? Mm. And we know who served them and we know more of what their needs are. So we've really thought about sort of the automation or orchestration of that customer's experience when they come in and engaging with what we would say are indicators that they are looking to buy. Very interesting. That's a good hot take that it's surprising how many organizations don't treat or route flow design their, their sort of motions differently for customers versus prospects. So you're saying a lot of times they treat them interchangeably? Yeah, they'll send that, that, that customer might get sent to the SDR team more often than you would imagine. And then they'll call them as a cold call. Mm, right. Yeah. So that's a crappy customer experience. Yeah, that's I've been your good. customer for five years and you just, I'm looking at your new product and you call me and you don't, you, you, it's like, you don't even know who I am because you haven't made that connection to the account or routed into a team that deals specifically with the existing account or the account manager or account owner, right? Could be CSMs. A lot of times it gets routed, can get routed right to sales. We do, we actually have two different flows or strategies because we, our portfolio is very diverse. We serve very right. large enterprise clients and very small startups. So we have different flows for how we can engage. If that small company is looking to buy more, we can send them right to the, really right to our account managers who are extraordinarily customer centric. They're amazing. Uh, and the bigger accounts like to send it into the CSM who has a better idea of what's going on. And then they can decide, hey, yeah, this is a qualified lead. So let's open that opportunity and route it to the account manager on the account. So I think too, you've got to really think about, again, that customer journey that that you want to design depending on the, the segment and the need. Switching gears just a little bit. Whenever leaders need to bring in some sort of new initiative inside the organization, we all deal with the good old fashioned problem of change management. And without sounding too much like a textbook from my days in, in college, like change management is a big, hairy problem, whether you're at an enterprise of thousands of employees or you're a small startup team, right? Like whenever you bring in something new, there's getting the buy-in from the stakeholders, there's training and education, there's any technical stuff if you have to unplug 
I don't know, HubSpot and plug-in Marketo, for example, like there's a lot of work there to be done. In your experience, and you've led some pretty high impact teams in your career, when you're bringing in new technology and specifically any technology that automates work, what are some of the lessons you've learned on executing that change management such that everyone's bought in, everyone sees it as a benefit, and that tool and that process is, is well adopted going forward? I think the first thing that I ask the team is how big of an impact is this going to have on the current process? So is this going to take, is it going to fundamentally change it? So we're going to do things in a very different way. Or are we going to take things away that you were doing manually that now you'll, it'll be automated and that's great. So instead of having to go research that customer, pull the information together and then make the phone call, it's going to be pulled together for you and you go make the phone call. So that's not a significant change for that individual. In fact, they're delighted, right? Because now you've cut out those hours of work they were doing in the research. And so it really does depend on that impact. So that's the first thing that I think about because it's much easier to roll out those incremental. Even if it's a major system, it's much easier to, to roll out something that is more incremental or it's just a translation of, hey, we were doing this as a spreadsheet. Now it's in a PSA software. It mm. doesn't feel that different. But for the bigger ones, I think you do have to think about the step changes that the people are going to go through. And I, I will say with sort of our CSM capability, our competencies, it's been a multi-year journey to transform that organization because like many organizations, you start the CSM sort of start as doing everything, renewals, dealing with the customer's questions, working with support. And as we've evolved, that team has been able to be much more focused on working with the customer to drive to value, but it's a very different type of person and a very different role now than it was even 18, 24 months ago. Mm. So there we really have to think about, you know, do we have the right, even the right people um, or do we just, we hire people in who have already done this new motion and then they start to help train the others. So thinking strategically about stepping it out for those who have to learn a whole new motion, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's just easier to bring in some experts who can lead the way. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that's really interesting stuff because I don't think enough leaders, this might be one of my hot takes. If I had a soundboard, I'd push a button and we'd have a goofy sound effect about an incoming hot take. I don't think enough leaders know when to say, we don't have the expertise on staff for this. Let's bring in someone who does. And you bring in outside help to do that. You mentioned that. And that's really valuable. And if you've got the resources to do that, you really should, because it's amazing. Just give you a bit of a example. We are going through some Salesforce changes to opportunity stages. And we, it was a big, simple, you say that to someone on the street and they're like, okay, but if you've worked in revenue operations for any amount of time, you know, that could be a big deal. And we brought in some outside help to ideate and walk us through some of the, the, the change management challenges of that. And it was a really beneficial exercise. It made it a lot easier. And I think especially today in worlds where you have teams that may be scaling quickly, maybe increasing workload faster than they can hire people to take up and, and increase the bandwidth. You want to just get things done quickly or not take the time to do it, all that kind of thing. And 
you touched on something that I think more of us should just remind ourselves every now and then, which is like, it's okay to bring in some help on this. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I've learned is there's there's, there's always an impatience in business too, right? Like you need to get, let's get this fixed. We know it's a problem. How quickly can you get it fixed? Right. Some things just take the time they take. And I think also recognizing that, breaking the project down into smaller steps, you can start to see progress, but just calling out like to transform an organization is a year, could be a year and a half to two years, or it depends on size, yeah. but it, it can take a long time. But where do you want to be in a year and a half from now? You want to be in this new state? Well, let's start marching toward it. But I think recognizing that some of these things do take time. So take the time to plan it, but also just set expectations that we will get there, but it's not going to be this quarter. And that's a tough thing as somebody who has to communicate into the board or into your CEO, where they're like, why isn't this done? And you do 12. have to just recognize sometimes it's, yeah, these big things just yeah. take time. <laughs> and that, I think that gets yes, back to your point. If you plan it out and you understand that it's going to be multiple steps, makes it more manageable and you can course correct as you go. But I think that's, it's an important muscle build if you're going to do some major, major implementations and initiatives. Yeah, totally. This has been a wonderful conversation, Rachel. I really can't thank you enough for taking time out of your afternoon. It is afternoon where you are. I really appreciate it. As we wrap up here, I want to get your thoughts on where you see the future of automation in the customer landscape and customer journey. We are making a lot of headway in software. We've got amazing voice assistants, Every now and then I have a little question in my head, like, am I talking to a human when you call in somewhere? Like a lot of very exciting, very interesting things are happening. On this flip side, you've got a million different vendors out there. You've got the giant players, the sales forces and service nows of the world consolidating and building, building more around their moat. Going to be a very interesting next several years. What excites you about the future of automation in, in the customer world? I will. I may take it out there pretty far, but I've spent a lot of a lot of time in um, IoT and automation over the years. What I always think about is Jeff Bezos saying he's going to have that package on my doorstep of something I need, even though I didn't place the order. Like it's it's really getting to the point where we're anticipating and helping our clients before they even need it, or like the mm. appliance that phones home because it's not performing optimally and it's costing me more, you know, in, in energy than it should. I think that it's going to be very interesting when you can start to be much more predictive of customer needs and problems, not just dealing with them when they decide to come interact with you as a company. And we're starting to see that too, even in, in our world with the six senses and other AI uh, solutions out there where companies now aren't waiting for that customer to come to their website and ask for a demo yep. because we know they're already 80, what now it's 89% of the way through their journey before they come talk to you. So even saying, Hey, who's out there? Um, what are the triggers to them wanting to buy or having the problem that I solve and companies like Sixth Sense that are helping you sense what's going on in the market is really exciting. And I think that the more that we as organizations can anticipate and help our customers solve problems, those are going to be the companies that really are out there and in, in getting ahead. And, and I think it's just going to look very different because we have so much of an ability to reach into their world. 
So I, I think that's going to be very interesting as we roll into the future. And a lot of it is here ready. I know my car calls the calls home when it's not functioning well. I think that's an interesting way to, to think about how you solve the problems for customers is like, don't just wait for them to engage with you as a company. Yeah. Shout out to Sixth Sense that they are building a great business over there. And it's also a well-named product for what it does. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. There's a lot of opportunity in predictive behavior and predictive intelligence. So one of our, we have a customer who's a big university, a big online, hybrid university is the best way to put it. And we built some models and they use our platform to basically monitor student behaviors. Kid isn't checking in X number of times and Y number of opportunities and a bunch of other signals happen. We say that the likelihood that this student may drop out is increased and fire off a note to their uh, advisor to engage with the student or whatever. And that sort of predictive customer success, if you will, made that up on the spot here. It's definitely going to be something I see more and more. I'm sure my that I have a, an ongoing account with a landing page builder. I'm not going to say which one it is that I haven't logged into in a while. They should probably know that and send me an email and ask me what's going on. But I have not received that yet. If you're one of the if you're one of the big landing page builders out there, you know, I'm a customer of yours. Get on that. You better get <laughs> on that. But that's exactly what you're talking about, right? And we have the signals you can. You can you observe the patterns, and I'm 100% with you. I do think that is going to be a big future, big part of the future of customer support and customer success. Yeah, and I hope we do get away too from, I think part of the reason why our uh, folks aren't coming to us until so late in the process, using some of these capabilities to just inundate me with marketing messages once I do engage with you. Like we got to get through this phase into higher level engagement. So yeah. <laughs> I encourage companies to think much bigger than tagging me and uh, swarming around me just because I hit your website. The difference between a, let's say like Honda or Toyota blasting you with retargeting after you, you know, clicked on something and a $250,000 a year ERP platform, like those, those should be treating like the messaging and the funnel differently, but they don't always. And that's, you're right though, like the dark funnel, as we call it in marketing, mm -hmm. right? Of, of all the stuff you can't measure and you don't have insight into. There's a corollary to that on the customer success side and the sort of retaining and growing and, and maintaining your customers. This has been a, an awesome conversation. So I really, again, Rachel, can't thank you enough for, for coming on the show. Let's end with our quick fire round. My favorite part of every episode I've done. What is the book that you most often recommend to people? Storytelling with Data by Cole Nussbaumer, I think, Naflick. Cole Nussbaumer Naf Naflick, I believe is her name. But yeah, Storytelling with Data. I, I think as we move into this world of automation, it also gives us a lot more data and insights into how people are engaging and both from a employee standpoint, even customer standpoint, right? The more things that we have online, the more we can measure. And I think we, we do rely a lot on our intuition, mm -hmm. but as I, there's an example recently where we had, it was actually going into COVID where it felt like all of our, all of the customers were asking for discounts. It just felt overwhelming in those first couple of weeks. When we look back, it was like a handful. It was like 
less than 1%, but it felt overwhelming. But so I think teams learning how to look at the data, present it, analyze it, do storytelling is so critical, especially since we're sitting on so much of it. And if you look at the bigger picture, you can get so much better insights into how to, how to make improvements, whether it's in your team or as a, you know, chief customer officer. So just, I think having the ability, not just to pull the information, but also put it into a form that helps drive insights to make decisions. Love it. When you think about your day-to-day and just the way you manage your work life, you're, you've had a, a great successful career. You've, you've been at some amazing companies. You've led some great teams. You need to be productive and you need to be at your best. What's the best productivity hack, using my scare quotes, productivity hack, productivity tip? What's the best one of those that you've ever heard that you've implemented into your day-to-day? It's around email management. So it's always taking so much of my time. So when I look at my email list in the morning, I delete and or don't answer most of them. I just delete them. Rachel, you're my hero. I try to move mostly to Slack, but for the most part, I feel... Well, if I answer them, they just keep building. And for the most part, if there's a question in there that needs to be answered, people will find me some other way. But that's cut a good hour out of my day, which is that's significant by just going, you know what? I need you to answer all these. Mm. Yeah, you are my hero. I do a every year I do a big productivity roundup webinar. We're actually doing it in a couple of weeks. So go to capacity.com for more info on that. But one of the slides I have is I have a whole section around email because email is just, I think it's the the bane of every like knowledge worker, white collar existence. <laughs> and I have a slide in there. It's just a, it's like a, it's a GIF of me going in my inbox, hitting select all and hitting archive. And that's like, that's the tip. Just get rid of it. So, now, obviously you want to get, if your CEO emails, you e- email them back, but we get so much email and we let it fester and it just becomes this it's like having a it's like having a messy kitchen right you can't cook in a messy kitchen and having i'm just looking at my inbox right now actually seven of the first 10 things i see are messages from either sdrs or some sort of like nurture sequence now i fill out a lot of forms as just competitive research or whatever but the point remains nothing wrong with deleting email especially internally if you're using slack or teams or whatever like much better yeah, and I love it. Yeah, if you archive it too, you can go back later and search it's always and there group them too. Yeah. And if there's like a, there might be a theme and then you can just respond all at once, but it just makes it much easier than doing it point by point. Any way that you can get to manage it differently is, yeah. I mean, I love that. Filtering. And it's not that I don't look at everything, but I just have to be super ruthless. Yeah, you've got, you've got your folders and, and yeah. rules and certain things are, are flagged as important and et cetera, et cetera. But in any given day, there aren't that many of those emails. Like just, we uh, you get a lot of junk as a, once you hit, once like the word manager appears in your job title, <laughs> like from that point on, or it's like whenever you're, whenever you're, if you're working at a startup and you raise a round and that hits crunch base or whatever, all sorts of SDRs come out of the woods. Hey, just see so you guys just raised fifty million dollars. You wanna you wanna buy my calendar tool or whatever? <laughs> if you could recommend one website, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, in person meetup, if if we ever get back to those, for people who are interested in becoming a chief customer officer one day, what what would you recommend? I honestly spend a lot of my time. Um, 
in groups that are related to uh, where my customers spend mm. time. I'm in ops communities like the MSPs or Rev Geniuses. We have our own ops community. So uh, more than I do sort of looking for for um, tips for CCOs, though Gainsight has for me been huge in terms yeah, of great. just helping. They've just got such great content and community. So I'd say Gainsight from a CCO perspective, just in helping me build out what I need for the customer success organizations. So that was a, the biggest area of focus. But I think if you are already in seat somewhere, I just encourage anybody at every level, whether you're the CCO or down to individual contributors, spend time with your customers, spend time. It will pay off if you understand where they're at, what their challenges are, what they're talking about. It's pretty huge. Couldn't agree more. To end our conversation, if there's one person, and and I'm going to let you take just wherever you want to go with this one. There's one person who you would like to take out for coffee or a cocktail, depending on the time of day and the vibe, I guess. And just to pick their brain to help you be a better leader, to help you execute, to help, help you be the, the best you can be. Who would it be? Well, I, I'm not sure I'm too fond of, I would not, I don't know if I'm going to be fond of this person as an individual, but I would love to chat with Jeff Bezos around how he built such a customer centric mm. culture and the ways in which he has driven change in his organization just from things like leaving that empty seat at the table to think about the customer to the way I think they approach projects and the kinds of briefing briefs they have to put together and the way they, you know, implement net new things. I'd just love to get more insights into how he built the powerhouse of, of Amazon. I think he's, they're just doing things there. You know, maybe I'd go work there at some point and, and learn, but I just you get the feeling that's a pretty well-oiled machine. Oh. Just Absolutely. being an operator, learning from him and how he's perfected and grown that company. They really do have the most amazing customer experience of any brand I deal with, short of Apple maybe. But other than those two, like it's hard to think what you're going to put up with them. So I 100% agree with right. you on that one. Yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us on the Support Automation Show. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or Lean Data or the podcast that you guys have, where should they go to find find you or lean data we easiest to look me up on linkedin rachel mcbrady and or go there's leandata.com but if you want to find me i'm on linkedin and uh, you can just pay me there so thank you justin this was fabulous and i'd love to get love to have you on our podcast as well and uh, hear what you're up to we'll definitely have to do it rachel thank you so much for being on the support automation show and you have a wonderful afternoon thanks you too justin bye cheers the Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit Capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for Support Automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.